2: My name is Louis Strong and welcome to my third season of Headstrong, the podcast where I sit down with a variety of people in the public eye to talk about their lives, their careers, but importantly, every aspect of their journey through all the highs and lows to try and give you, the listener, an opportunity to learn what it means to be headstrong, to believe in yourself, to talk about your vulnerabilities and reinforce your self-worth. Now, 2020 has been a roller coaster of emotions for all of us. The pandemic has given us perspective with our own lives, particularly when it comes to our way of life and working. As a result, I wanted to talk to people who deem themselves self-employed and creatives. So this season is called Creatives in Conversation. In this season... I am talking to a widespread group of people from actors to comedians to influencers and a drag queen. I am incredibly excited for you to hear the conversations with my guests. For this first episode of season three, I sat down with magician and YouTuber Archie Manners. Now, Archie is a larger than life character and he breathes energy into every single room that he walks into. We talked about his rise to stardom on YouTube with his partner Josh Peters. And some of the pranks he's done recently, including with Katie Hopkins and Tiger King's Carol Baskin. I really, really hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned at the end to see who else is on season three. Hello, Archie. Hello, how are you? I'm very well. How are we going now? We are going. Fantastic. Uh, We find ourselves sat in your your office here. I know, I'm like Jeff Bezos. It's luxury, isn't it? Absolutely. I mean, uh, do you know what? It's actually nice to have. the, a nice blue-skied view, that's
1: quite it is. nice. It's quite
0: similar to the view Ghislaine Maxwell has currently got, I think. Mm, um, it's, it's a tiny, sort of six-by-four, whitewashed-walled prison cell, um, <laughs> but, but I love it. How long have you been here? About a month, literally yeah, literally a month. So Josh Peters and I, um, who's my business partner on YouTube, took this little place over, and we've, um, we spent £1,000 on Ikea, which I think you should be nominated for an MBE for. It's basically impossible. Uh, so we had the hellish, hellish
2: experience of walking around Ikea, and um, yeah, we are, we are now here. It's great. I love it. I love it. Why did you guys get the office kind of a month ago? Was that a move because you were struggling to work at home or was this just a, um, a progression in business? To be honest, I don't really know. Josh always wanted one. I think there's probably a slight ego. It's a bit like, you know,
0: when you say to me, can I come and do your podcast? It's a quite smart to say, yeah, meet me in the office. Like most of it. It's like 90% ego and then 10% maybe we'll work harder if we're here. And actually, to be fair, we have because it kind of has the routine of making sure you're in by nine 10 or 11 sometimes, and then kind of leaving. And you do kind of have that separation between home and and work, which is nice. However, um, if you're in the creative industries like I am, you cannot think in an office. it, It is not conducive to it. So I tend to only... Josh is here all the time. He tends to run the kind of commercial side of the channel. I tend to look after the... Creative side, there's a lot of crossover between us, so he'll tend to be here more than I am, and I tend to just sort of go on long walks and run around and try and find inspiration from other places. But yeah. it's, it's been very, it's been really helpful, actually.
2: I mean, there's a massive, massive blurred line now because of lockdown between working environments and home environments with everyone working at home, yeah. Although I don't think they are working, not at necessarily home. I they're sitting
0: at home and being paid to do so. I watch my uh, my flatmate work from home, I've never heard such nonsense <laughs> working from home whilst got Piers Morgan on the background, you're smoking cigs every five minutes, then a delivery comes, which is huge. It's not working from home at all it's being employed by the government to sit around
2: <laughs> where did you find yourself in lockdown
0: uh i locked down in london which was uh, lovely i i didn't mind it i mean yeah i don't want to do it again it was it was it was <laughs> it's like a threesome yeah <laughs> like if you know what i mean like fun to try but probably don't need to repeat it
2: <laughs> so if lockdown came down the second wave came down i'm not participating i'm
0: making my position very clear here very happy for other people to have a second lockdown if a second wave comes i will not be doing it
2: I love it. I'm you... going to
0: be one of those awful people that resists lockdown. <laughs> no, of course I'm not.
2: Did you, um, did you relish the time, though, as a kind of an opportunity for potentially new creative projects no. or self-engagement? No, it was fucking miserable. Oh, really? Of
0: course it was. I couldn't see anyone. Anyway. Like, it, it depends what industry you are, but like, if you're creative, your brain can only spit out what goes into it, right? Your brain is entirely determined by inputs, and then ideally you spin them around and you output something more interesting. And yeah, during lockdown, the only input was a screaming Piers Morgan Boris Johnson and the two bald musketeers, and the sort of five o'clock, five o'clock press conference that everyone chewed into like it was bloody Love Island. And that was it, and alcohol. And those are not conducive. So I um, had one good idea which we put into practice, which turned out to be the video we did on Carol Baskin. Uh, other than that, it, I found it creatively draining uh, and quite tiring. So, no, I'm not, not doing it again.
2: But, so what was your tipple of choice for the period?
0: Uh, anything. Literally anything. <laughs> I panic-bought. Most people panic-bought Lou roll. I decided if I didn't buy food, I wouldn't need the Lou roll, so I just bought alcohol. And uh, had a very successful uh, bit... Yeah, I mean, I drank a lot of Corona lager because uh, yeah. that was on which offer because everyone thought offer. you might get Corona oh, no. by drinking Corona because a lot of people are not that clever and um, yeah so that, that Sainsbury Lord Sainsbury I'd like to give a special shout out to him because he discounted that by 50% which is very helpful
2: yeah, yeah. absolutely I mean so during lockdown with your your partner fellow YouTuber Josh yeah um, you, you did release content and you had some amazing content we... was a lot of it pre-recorded um, in terms of some of the other ideas because you did have um, the Katie Hopkins one come out during lockdown I no think.
0: that came out just before. Just before, so so we filmed that in January That came out on Brexit Day That's like the only way I can ah, remember it okay. It came out on the 31st of January So that was about a month beforehand Um, And then we didn't upload till May the 2nd. So we took a long extended break. And that was the kind of lockdown content.
2: Yeah, sure. And so how do you and Josh conceptualise your videos? How do you come up, sit down there and come up with the ideas? Do you sit down and actually brainstorm? Or if you have an idea when you're sitting on the bog, for example, (laughs) do you just write it down and say, we've got it? It's the
0: hardest thing. Um, Making the videos is easy. What we do is always quite duplicitous. So as long as you're comfortable with the idea of lying to celebrities... To an extent, then that's easy. The coming up with the ideas is impossible. It, almost all of it comes from reading newspapers, reading books, just constantly thinking. Everything I look at, almost, I'm thinking in the back of my mind: could this be a? Could this be a video? Could this be a video? Could this be a video? And then I tend to come up with like 500 ideas, and then Josh will be where he's really talented is by going yes, no, yes, no, and, and and ciphering out the 499 that are completely useless. Um, so to give you an example, the Carol Baskin video, <coughs> which was where we tricked Carol Baskin and indeed a bunch of other celebrities into thinking that they were on late-night American talk shows. But what we actually did was record questions from late-night American talk show hosts that were given to normal celebrities, and then when they came on Zoom, we told them they wouldn't be able to see the host, they'd only be able to hear him, and we just played the questions back to them. So effectively, they're being interviewed by a computer. And that started by watching uh, a woman called Helen Wakeley, who's the care minister, being skewered by Piers Morgan on Good Morning Britain. And Piers Morgan picks up this copy of the Daily Mail and goes, look at this headline, minister, look at this headline. And she goes, I can't see you. I can only hear you and I suddenly thought bingo if you can't see the host and the idea then fully formed and then it's a case of going if you've got the idea you've got the solid device you then need to have interesting people because no one just wants to see that with, with not famous people so then it was like okay let's try and get them one woman nobody in the world can interview uh, yeah. which at that point was Tiger King's Carol Baskin so we, we did and, and with a huge amount of luck uh, we, we got her
2: how did you even start that process who did you contact For did you go to I the... went
0: to her website she has the, the, uh, the zoo she runs which she wouldn't call it, she'd call it a sanctuary. <laughs> uh, has a website when you can just submit a press inquiry and it comes back with an automatic response going. Carol Buskin does not do interviews because, of course, it, literally everyone wanted to get in touch with her. And then she initially so we thought fine. But I emailed again saying, "Are you sure we won't talk about Tiger King?" That was the one, the one thing she didn't want to do was talk about Tiger King because she felt that Netflix had screwed her over. Yeah. The great joy is I couldn't make her talk about Tiger King because Jimmy Fallon hadn't done that, so I, I didn't have him talking about Tiger King, so I couldn't ask her either. So I emailed back saying, "Are you sure we won't talk about Tiger King?" Happy to put it in the contract. She emailed back saying, "Yes, I'm sure. I don't want to do it." And then two days later, she emailed going, actually, do you know what I do? Why not? Um, and and yeah. Yeah, I now.
2: mean, with, that, with a name as well from a, an American talk show like that, she's probably going, you know, two days and then suddenly going, actually, uh, yeah, suddenly going, I want that fame. I want to sort my, my per, personal I don't even huh? think it
0: is fame. It was more she was running this campaign yeah, in but- America. <laughs> Well, possibly. I don't know. I mean, you know, Carol Baskin has uh, has been very helpful to me, so I'm not going to. I'm not going to say uh,
2: exactly. So I love Carol. <laughs> She's wonderful. Um, did you see the feedback from that as well from her? She said, "Actually, do you know what? Good on them."
0: Yeah, she did because we didn't skewer her.
2: Yeah. Uh, so. A couple of days ago, actually,
0: an Australian comedian used Cameo, the website where you can get videos from celebrities personalised, to ask her to do a shout-out to Rolf Harris um, for all the good work he's been doing. Now, that's sort of horrible and just taking advantage of her ignorance. We kept the bit in, in the video, in the edit, where she shouted out her campaign, and we didn't ask her about Tiger King. It was a bit of fun. And actually, because it was Carol Baskin's first interview and it was kind of done in a pranky way, I'd venture to be arrogant enough to suggest more people watched it on our YouTube channel, because it was a prank, than would have done if she was actually on Jimmy Fallon that night. So, um, no, she was really happy about it, which was nice, whereas Katie Hopkins, obviously, much less happy. Was
2: there ever, was there ever a follow-up from um, Carol? From,
0: or- Ka- from Carol, yeah. Well, no, no. Just um, she did email me to say thank you very much. My campaign's done really well, yeah. Oh well, yeah, so You know she what? It's actually it a, exactly a win-win. Intended. Yeah, it was ev- ev- everybody won.
2: Well, that's pleasing. So, so but though. maybe when something like that happens with you and Josh, do you ever start something, start a venture, and then actually halfway through you're like, oh, this is this is flopping. Yeah, this yeah, is no good. all the time. Yeah,
0: all the time. We tried to list Buckingham Palace on Airbnb in February. I thought it'd be very funny to have a bunch of tourists <laughs> turn up and go, "We have booked this place. Let us in." And unfortunately, Airbnb's sort of systems are slightly cleverer than our attempt but I had this whole thing I to do Buckingham Palace the London Eye Tower of London I just thought it caused cause chaos but no it didn't happen so yeah often we do often for legal reasons uh, rather than impractical ones but also often because, you know, if you play the game we do, which is kind of tricking people, sometimes they're going to cotton onto to it. That's I did see,
2: I think Joe Lycett managed to some, do something similar. I think Buckingham Palace may be the step too far, considering yes. it's the palace of Her Majesty the Queen. We,
0: yes, <laughs> but it, it, it is a step too far. It uh, clearly was, but it would have been funny.
2: It would have been hilarious. But, I mean, this, the, the one thing I asked that was because the video that I was talking about before we started recording was about the quail's eggs. Oh. Um, where you, you bought some quail's eggs in a supermarket and mm. you intended to hatch them, or at least one of them, to see if supermarket eggs were viable for, yes, for we producing we had three of
0: them but unfortunately we had two stillborn oh. um, it was a very sad day but we, we did bring life into the world it was unbelievably lucky it, w- it was very weird again talking about where you get the ideas from I read in a newspaper that uh, some scientists had done studies where like 5% of eggs sold in a supermarket were fertile and I thought madness let's try this and so we bought 50 eggs. Josh was like, why the hell are you this? is not possible. There's no, way, there's literally no way it's going to work. And the 200-quid incubator off Amazon whacked them in and cooked them for a while. And Josh still had no faith. Josh went to America for a meeting or something. So my <laughs> job, weirdly, for like three days, sorry, for like three weeks, was being this kind of peculiar quail midwife We had to turn the eggs every day and go into his flat, which is where we used to work. And yeah, and then suddenly this quail hatched. And I mean, it was... I could not believe it. It was, like, the most joyous... Oh, God, I'm craving a video like that again. It's I just have nice. never,
2: I've never seen such excitement from an individual. Oh, it was amazing. A, a tiny little... I mean, obviously, the concept is very original and, like, incredible. But actually, like, just just actually seeing a chick come out of an egg, it yeah. doesn't happen every day.
0: No, it not Well, it probably does happen every day. Well, it's <laughs> <laughs> just not necessary. Otherwise, I think we'd have us. a shortage of roast chicken. But, yes, to us, uh, it definitely doesn't happen every day. Um, yeah, it was amazing. I, I, if I ever become a father, I think I'm going to have a stroke because I got pretty excited at the birth of a quail. So, I, I dread to think how i'm going to react to a baby
2: this is This is probably the the th- question that needs to be answered. Where is that quail? What did you the do quail, with that quail? I, can, I what to inform listeners. So the quail went
0: to be named. it was christened by Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. Uh, We took it to a press junket where they named it, which was quite fun. Uh, So it's had a very nice life. It was (laughs) born in Zone 1. It's had a meet and greet with Chris Hemsworth and Tessa Thompson. It's now at Godston Farm Park in Surrey, which I highly recommend if you're into farm parks, which is a a niche thing to be into. But it's living there, and uh, we are now grandparents. In fact, we're now great-grandparents. Its children have had children. Well, so, you're, you, know, you talk to, about legacy. I was just about to say <laughs> the word shit. legacy springs what to mind. Uh, but yes, it is it is alive, it is well.
2: As we talk about there uh, with you and Josh, YouTube is very much your place of business and income. For many, it's a place of enjoyment. Yes, and finding that kind of um, relationship is probably interesting because it's such a hugely competitive market that you obviously want to be able to succeed to make your money. How did you find building the platform when you started getting involved?
0: Well, I I, I didn't. I I did the very Archie Manus thing of inheriting a million followers, Um, (laughs) which if if you listen to my voice. um, But yeah, so Josh Peters set up the channel and he built it up to a million followers. I started working for him uh, when he was on about 900,000 or something. So he'd obviously, you know, done very well. That's more of a question he would answer as to how he did that. And then we struck gold in terms of finding each other. We worked together super well, we're best friends, we argue like cats and dogs but by five o'clock it's all fine and we go for a beer. And I then carried on working for him and then he very kindly suggested that we go into partnership together. Um, So overnight I, I became a a YouTuber. Beforehand, I was just a guy that made videos on the internet
2: occasionally. How did you guys meet each other?
0: Um, I did a series called Archie asks. Yes. On YouTube, which uh, he really enjoyed. Um, I, I think he may have been the only one because they got like a thousand views each. Was like they did okay on Facebook, uh, where I go around interviewing members of the public at events. So I go up to people at Wimbledon and ask them fake news questions and see if they just run with it.
2: I loved um, it. I, I remember watching them all. Yeah, they're,
0: they're fun. They're yeah. fun. But they don't. You know, in order to do super well on YouTube, you have to have a kind of bit of a following, which I obviously don't. So he saw those, and that's how we started working to a few videos together. So the air guy was working for him for that. That was our kind of first big one. Then we um, signed up on Uber, but... Uh, drove a tank around London as an Uber, picked yes. people up, uh, and then we did a prank on reality stars where we sent them bits of gravel but told them they're pieces of the moon and see if they put them on their Instagram. Um, and then it kind of went from there. And then the first one we did in the kind of joint venture was the Carabaskin video. So everything up till then was us two working together, but I was working
2: for him. What's that? What's so? You've briefly touched on your relationship in terms of um, working there. He in terms of you very being the creative side. And Josh taking taking There's the lead on the There's a huge amount of crossover between yeah. the two.
0: Um, in that it wouldn't work without each other.
2: Of, but course, I, of course, I
0: tend he tends to be very good at dealing with the kind of commercial side of things. Sure, um, and I find that really uninteresting.
2: I mean, he's I got, he's most got, much and myself, both of you have got cool. some great friends and some good places. Uh, which, which helps sometimes Of course does help um, On occasion In
0: terms of Yeah I don't know how interesting Contacts is like, We very rarely use Our contacts when we're creating The one thing we did do We did a, a parody music video Of a Lewis Capaldi <laughs> song Where we rewrote his song uh, I can't remember which one it was But we rewrote it About STDs anyway And, and we thought It would be really fun To in the music video For this parody To get an orchestra <laughs> and I, Josh like, I was like, i oh, we get an orchestra? I was like, I don't think we're ever going to get an orchestra. And I, I happened to have a friend who runs an orchestra.
2: <laughs>
1: of course. So
2: very two archer man as been to
0: Two days later, we were uh, with the London Musical Theatre Orchestra, which is conducted and run by a, a guy called Freddie Tapner, who's got more talent in his little finger than I could ever dream to have. And uh, yeah, so we had Josh standing there in front of all these quite serious musicians going, I've got herpes from a black and, and they were all there uh, playing along. So yeah, sometimes we do, but most of the time not.
2: No, of course. I was just think him just because of, um... Well, it's not, not relevant, actually. <laughs> so I'm just now riffing. I was enjoying the conversation. But let's look at some of your recent videos, and, of course, the one that got everyone talking where you broke your silence with... Katie Hopkins. Lovely Katie. Of lovely, lovely Katie. Oh. Need I ask this question? Why did you choose her? Because she's a... Very good. Am I allowed to say that word? Well, you have now. Uh,
0: yes, uh, why did we choose her? Um, because... Two reasons. It is a, it's a question we get asked a lot, and it's really important. You, you cannot string somebody up like that when you have a platform just for the hell of it. It'd be very easy for me to pump out a video that a lot of people would enjoy on a minor reality star and who's done nothing wrong. That's not fair. Katie Hopkins is an abhorrent human being in terms of her views, and she justifies it by freedom of speech. And I think she has the right to say any view she wants. I think freedom of speech is key. It's, it, it is the crux of comedy, and I think it's under threat at the moment in quite an alarming mm, way. Definitely. But... If she has the freedom of speech to make jokes about Muslim people, then I have the freedom of speech to make a flight of frog and call her absolutely. a absolutely c- so we did um, and, and yeah, I mean that was the video probably that put us. If we are on any kind of map, maybe put us on, on, on the map. If
2: you were on a map, what city is Josh Peters and Archie Manor's YouTube channel? Oh, Luton, I would say.
0: Oh, really? I would say we started... You're on the outskirts. We started in Inverness, and we're, <laughs> we're just sort of working our way down the A1, trying not to get caught by the cameras. I reckon, you know, we're, we're, we're sort of slowly trundling to London, but we're definitely not there yet.
2: As ideas go, it was it was amazing and fantastic to watch. Why did you guys think, this can't just happen in London? We can't invite her to a dinner here. We need to fly her out to a European country and... And, you know, really push this idea. What gave it that bit more weight in terms of the legitimacy of that?
0: Um, she's not stupid. She has some fairly stupid views, but she's not a stupid person. So we thought if we fly to Prague, the odds of her being more relaxed and thinking that the com was genuine were just going to be much, much greater. We chose Prague for a very specific reason. We also wanted to do it in a very expensive hotel. Because if you're going to prank someone in a holiday inn, it feels like a prank. If you're going to do it in the Four Seasons, there's like no one spending money on a Four Seasons dinner. And of course, it did cost a lot of money. It was Josh in those days. I was working for him. So he took all the risk, um, for which I'll always be grateful. And we looked around where the cheapest Four Seasons was in Europe. And that's why we went with Prague, because um, the exchange rate was good. So, yeah, we flew her out there and paid for a flight, paid for a hotel, the whole, the whole works, and then sat through dinner with her.
2: But looking at a production like that, because that is a production, people forget that making a YouTube video is actually a film. You know, it's a short it's, yeah, film. A sense, yeah, it's yeah. Something you've, got, you've got the pre-prod, you've got to do all the research, you've got to have your budget, you've got to have your team, you've got to put everything together mm. and then actually shooting it and then of course post-prod and whatnot. Um, let's start with something, this is, I, I don't like talking about money at all, mm. but let's look at a video like that, that would have cost quite a lot. So yes. how, how do you guys budget um, for um, your channel and your videos?
0: It's It does cost quite a lot. It depends. Sometimes we work with brands, so brands will sponsor a video, which that makes life easier. And if a brand is sponsoring a video, then we feel like we can spend a lot more on it. And, you know, that makes the integration better and allows us to justify taking money from a brand because if we're going to spend it on making something good then rightly the audience goes well that's sort of fair enough whereas if you're going to take money from a brand and do something appalling then it's just like you're just taking money from a brand Um, but yeah they are our, our type of work is very expensive it usually involves a full crew or, or on the on the hit element of it, we do the setup, we film ourselves. But when we get to the moment, often involves a crew, uh, often involves legal costs, are hugely expensive. The big winner from our videos is our, our wonderful lawyer, this guy called Tahir. Uh So yes, I mean that they are expensive. We will just it's video to video. We just take a view: is this worth it? Um, sure. Yeah, and, and of course, the big problem is sometimes you have to invest all that money without knowing whether you're, it's going to work. You know, with a film, you can invest that money. You don't know if it's going to play well, but you at least know you're going to have something to show for it at the end. Yeah. Uh, with Katie Hopkins, by the time she got to Prague, we'd probably already spent some amount of money. Yeah. Which yeah makes makes the risk much greater.
2: I mean, but yeah, I, exactly. The risk is there, but I mean, as you say, it comes down to with a reality star, it's just clickbait for another reality star. But Katie Hopkins, people are like. You know, she's yeah, got I some think very we, expressive views. I think we
0: knew that if we succeeded in our mission, which was to get her to a fake dinner and call her a that the video would do well. I think we were reasonably confident that would work. We were absolutely not at all confident that it would work getting her to Prague to be able to
2: call her a yeah. <coughs> do you Yeah. Do you have a hit list of, of people, maybe on your notes on your phone, that you would no, like to...?
0: No, And I, I don't like just targeting people. I, okay. like, I mean, I get more pleasure probably from hatching eggs. Because it's nice. <laughs> no one hates you for, for that kind of thing. Uh, no, we... I don't have a hit list. There's a couple of people I would like to... Uh, yeah, I'd like to mess around with. But no, I certainly don't see it as a hit list. I mean, I, I, we're not going to go down the line of Sacha Branco and where we just do that kind of thing.
2: No, um, sure. OK. It's
0: sometimes good and it is... You know, the Katie Hopkins video, I guess in a sense, was... You know, has some sort of legacy. It did shut her up. It did... It, it, well, it looking at work. Twitter, yeah. I mean... Yeah, yeah. But I mean, a lot of, The problem is it's kind of echo chambery in a sense, in that... Before the video, if you hated Katie Hopkins, you hated her. If you liked her, you liked her. I'm not entirely sure anyone's changed their mind as a result of the video. They probably perhaps entrenched their
2: views. And those probably weren't your intentions. At the end of the day, your intentions were to get her out there and call her.
0: Yeah, I mean, ultimately, our intentions are entertain,
2: exactly. to entertain. Exactly. That's of all course. I do. Um,
0: however, if there's an added benefit of making a small point, then that's that's nice sometimes, but we don't seek to do that. Um, but, yeah,
2: no. I mean, with example to the to the quail video, it's you... Your your channel is about entertaining. It's whilst you are taking the piss out of some people, yeah. pranking them, you still have the enjoyment factor on every single yeah, not, video that you intend to do. We, 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 don't, exactly.
0: we don't claim to have some great sort of public service uh, or anything like that. No, we, I mean, our job is to do Do
2: you have any uh, YouTube or video inspirations? Do, do you watch anybody for uh, I tend
0: not to watch that many other YouTubers um, because there's a lot of great stuff out there and I don't want it to influence what I do. Okay. Uh, and I think it's very hard to not be influenced. I mean, there's obviously conscious copying you can do, uh, but even watching stuff, I think sometimes without knowing it, you can kind of borrow ideas and themes and stuff, and I don't want to do that. Uh, so I do watch from time to time, but I, I, no, not massively.
2: Just because I'm curious, when you are putting together a, a video like the Katie Hopkins video, there must be, talking back to that kind of success story, if it isn't going to work, that is it, isn't it, that anxiety of whether it's yeah. actually going to go... How, how, do you do you feel that? Yeah, massively.
0: Oh, hugely, yeah. Particularly when it's your own money on the line. But it's also what makes the video more entertaining, because the audience, when they click on the video, they know we, we don't lie in our title or our... Uh, description, so when they click on the video, they know that what we claim to happen will happen but because we're filming before we know it's going to happen, they can see that and that's what makes it fun are they going to manage to pull this off, how are they going to manage to pull this off, Um, so yeah, you feel very, very anxious about it, I I, I feel more anxious when I don't have an idea at all much more unhappy, once I've got an idea then I, because I can then do something about making it work, right, if I've got an idea I want to do X, well I can work and keep working but in more hours and try different things to make sure I can achieve X if I haven't got X as a target, that's much more anxiety-inducing.
2: Being a creative, that is. Let's just explore that avenue for a second because it's difficult. Because if you do hit that creative wall, yeah. You, I mean, as you just say, I mean, you—that's when you are the most anxious individual. What do you do you. for influence for your own creative ideas? Because you must go be like, oh, if I'm not coming up with any ideas, I'm going to go go for a walk. I'm going to go I bowling. Swear, I'm going to go cycling. I run three
0: times a week which has been the sort of best thing I think I've done in my life for myself, I read and read and read. I read a huge number of magazines. I read newspapers every single day. That, that might, might, It's a whole thing. I remember when I was younger and I used to listen to people on podcasts and books and things. they give hey, go, what's your great advice for life? And people go, successful people read. And I thought, fuck that, can't be bothered. You don't need to read, you just sit and watch. You do. Um, the more you read, the better you are uh, for me and my job. Uh, but if I'm particularly stuck, yeah, I just go for a run. Or go to the pub and get hammered. That also works.
2: (laughs) What, and do you come up with it that night or the
0: next morning? Uh, Usually the next morning, I have a little notebook next to my bed (laughs) where I will wake up often and write something down, and the next morning I'll look at it. It happened this morning. I looked at my notebook this morning, and I I just had the word monkey written down. I've not a clue what I was thinking at three o'clock this morning when I wrote that down, but probably some good idea. Actually not, probably a terrible idea. But yeah, I don't know what the word monkey means, but it's there. So I just write, I'll scribble down in the middle of the night subconsciously.
2: All right, speaking of monkey then, let's what is in the pipeline if you are allowed to say anything at all with, um, uh, I can't
0: because we're right in the would middle ruin it, of it. Of course. Uh, we are right in the middle of a, of a of a big prank at the moment. We haven't got the person yet, but we're in communication with them. They're um, nibbling on the hook. They are nibbling on the hook. They have started replying to emails and we are setting a filming date with them. So, uh, yes, we are we are hopefully something will come soon.
2: And that is all for part 1 on this episode of Headstrong with Archie Manners. If you're enjoying the episode, be sure to click on part two to carry on our conversation. If you're also enjoying the episode, please be sure to tell your friends and family and review the podcast on whichever streaming platform you're listening on. See you on part two.
1: Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...